you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. We certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We've been digging, Kevin. We've been digging through the life of Christ. We find ourselves in the book of John. We're getting ready to graduate to chapter 5, and cool stuff's going on in 5, just like in 4. There's always there's a hopeless situation coming up for those of us who've been in hopeless situations, mm. and that's coming up uh, uh, tomorrow, so you don't want to miss that. Now, so, Kevin, as I introduce you, I'm going to go ahead and give you your fourth grade riddle here. And I gave it to the peeps yesterday, so some of them may get it quicker than you. Uh, but here we go. It says, what did Jesus... No, that was one from yesterday. What did... David, What today's one is, why did Boaz lay, hate lion? Lying? Lying. Why did Boaz... Speaking untrue. Okay, so um, it'd have to be a play on something about... Ruth, Naomi, um, gleaning, I give up. All right, so there we go. He heard the drums and he gave up because he loved truth. You know, I don't think it's real funny, but it's fourth grade stuff. <laughs> you know, folks, this is not one you want to tell at the water cooler at work. This is uh, this is not one love you, you want to. Ruth, love Ruth, love Why Ruth. Why did Boaz hate lion? Because he loved truth. Yeah, I think it should be uh, Ruth, shouldn't it? Yeah, I think it's more like what you what you'd hear if someone says you love Ruth. See, folks, here we are, <laughs> and we're That's reviewing jokes. So I I want to apologize to you about yeah. that. We're met, we're Jesus freaks. We talked about that earlier. We're, <laughs> we're different, folks. We're not a prophet in our own country. Sometimes I don't even think we're a prophet at the gas station. But I do know this. I know that we serve a great God. We serve the Lord and Savior of all eternity, mm-hmm. of every one of us. And, and uh, so we're going to go ahead and move forward. We've got a lot of things going on. I'm going to go ahead and start today in verse number 51, and we're going to wrap up chapter 4. We've got a lot to talk about. Before I do that, let me remind you, lest I forget, Camp Joy, Wisconsin, September 11th through September 15th. Sign up today. Come down. It's a short ride from anywhere, Canada, the U.S. Hop in your car. Come down. Quick plane ride from Asia, Europe. Come on out, man. Africa, <laughs> we want you. And uh, so here we are. We're in John number chapter number 4, 51 through 54. And he was now going down. His servants met with him and told him, saying, The son, thy son liveth. So they're talking about, that was the last verse where we were yesterday, that the nobleman knows his sons better. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to to amend, to feel better. And they say unto him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus saith unto him, thy son liveth, and himself believed in his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did. And when he was come out of Judea into Galilee, I love that. This is the second miracle. I love that. Here's the nobleman. He's on his way home, and his servants are wanting to do the right thing. They're running. They're doing these things. They're running to him. Then the nobleman, he's, you know, we get skeptical sometimes. Sometimes we talk ourselves out of the miracle. I, I remember mm-hmm. I had a doctor, a Christian doctor, tell me one time that he, before he got saved, he would say, man, and, and like one out of a hundred people, tumors disappear, completely disappear. 
It's just, yeah, yeah. So I was talking to this oncologist, and uh, he said, wait, explain, like, well, maybe this virus came along and knocked the tumor out, or, or maybe this thing knocked it out. And we as people sometimes can to want to do that and we want to ask questions and we want to look at things so the nobleman's no different but all of a sudden it hits him the goose pimples show up life shows up and it's like we're on the seventh hour and he goes wow that's when i talked to christ mm-hmm. he certainly did it and then he said hey man the family believed everybody believed and i'm telling you when god does a miracle in your life don't keep it to yourself share it with your family share it with your neighbors share it at your starbucks share it at your Dutchman's, which is the best coffee place in the United States of America. Prove me wrong. But Kevin, here we got this guy, this nobleman. His journey was worth his while, and he believed and his family believed. Yeah, true to what Jesus had said. He, um, you know, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And when he synchronized, you know, when it happened and, and when he had talked to Jesus, he believed so, you know, it was not necessarily a good thing that he had that, um, you know, that, that hesitancy to believe. But it's reality that we are that way. And um, especially the Jews, it says the Jews require a sign. And so there's more of a, you know, a need for, um, you know, verification for those people versus, you know, the Gentiles are a little bit more like, I could just tell. I could just tell when I talked to them. I could just tell that it was real. And, um, but he, you know, when the, he, he knew the hour, he figured out the hour. And I was thinking this, Doug, this is a little bit different thought, you know, salvation is one of those things where you just know the hour. You, mm-hmm. you I don't, I don't know the day I got saved. I, but I, you know, I remember the circumstances. I remember where it was that I it, it transacted business with heaven and I began to amend as it were, I was saved. I was on my knees. It was 909 Valley street in Nola, Pennsylvania. And I can go back there. Um, my son owns the house right now, but anyway, I can go back and I not my son, my, uh, another relative, but, uh, long story short, I can say, yeah, I remember kneeling down and that wonderful hour that um, that I got spiritually, you know, brought into the family of God, and I think it's good sometimes to inquire, uh, you know, what what you know when when did uh, when did this take place? To inquire of God, for instance, Doug, when I first accepted Christ, because I was at home and I had no soul winner, I didn't, I was not one to Christ by the influence of someone helping me along, I was alone. I did not have anyone to say, now you're saved. This is what that means from the Bible. Nothing like that. And so when I finally got into church and I, you know, it wasn't foreign to me to hear about salvation. In fact, when I first heard, you know, thoughts, I mean, uh, doctrines of salvation and justification and propitiation, all that kind of stuff, I said, that's what happened to me. That's, yeah, I remember the hour that that took place. But I had to come to the point where I nailed down what it when I got saved, and I asked God, and so I want to say this, Doug, before I hand it back to you. If there's any doubt, number one, if you are a child of God, and number two, when it really took place, ask God. 
God knows when it took place. Yeah. God was there. You were there. You may be a little bit confused as to when. Ask God. He may not show you a calendar date, but he'll remind you it was the time when, when, when you went through this and you called on God. That was when. Before that, yeah, he woken you to your need. Before that, he showed you that you were a sinner. Before that, you understood a few more things. But that was the moment when you believed and the deal was sealed in heaven. And that can be an exciting time when God lets you know. Yeah, there's there's some excitement there. And just thinking about an opportunity that completely changes your world, your eternity, your trajectory, your attitude, your everything. That's something you never forget. And I guarantee you the nobleman didn't forget that. And I was I, I typed in some lessons. I've been looking for some lessons over the last few minutes and feverishly trying to look at God's word. And the first thing that comes to my mind or the first lesson that I'm thinking about is the nobleman. He, he showed some things because I want to be like that nobleman. And the first thing that comes to my mind is the nobleman had faith in Jesus's word. He had faith in what he was reading uh, from the Old Testament. He had faith in uh, what was being said, what Jesus was preaching. He had enough faith to get up off his couch and see that son who had that high fever. You know, they didn't have IVs back then. There were no ice packs. Or ibuprofen wasn't available at the time. Uh, but this nobleman got off got up and had the faith in Christ to say, I'm going to find God. And sometimes mm. folks, you just got to wake up in the, in the morning when times are bad and say, I got to find God. I got to stop what I'm doing. I need to come to God. I need to have the faith in his word, like that silly old nobleman over there in the book of John. I'm going to trust him. And, uh, uh, and, and then I see this other thing, Kevin, as we're wrapping up this first few minutes, but there's a persistence, I think, in seeking Jesus. You know, he doesn't give up. He's talking about a critically ill son. He's seeking Jesus' help. He's saying the right things to God. He knows that God can handle that. And an attitude makes a difference, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this son was critically ill. His attitude uh, was, was he wanted to believe, and his belief uh, affected uh, the Savior. You know, the I was just looking at... Thy son liveth. When Jesus said, thy son liveth, that's that's what, and I think after the break, I'm going to just say some things about that because I can think of a circumstance where I needed simply that God would say something about my problem. I said, God, say something. That's the only thing that can do anything, and it changed it. Amen. That's the God we serve. What a wonderful God. And uh, so there's a, there's a persistence. There's a, uh, there's a tenacity about a Christian. There's somebody who knows, I know my God. I believe his word. Mm-hmm. And, and folks, in the midst of these pro- terrible things that creep up on us, the depression, the suicidal, the, those things that come up, the feeling bad about ourselves, to have an apathy, to, uh, to avoid in people, stop it. Have the persistence of the nobleman and say, God, this is what's going on. I need to come find you, God. I'm coming. And uh, I'm coming, God. I need your help. And folks, we'll be right back. So keep that in mind. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements.
And folks, I think there's a recognition, and we need to recognize Christ's authority. I think there's, that's what the nobleman does. He understands the authority. He understands the power to heal. Who's that in your life? Who's got the power to heal in your life? And now, I'm not just, hey, listen, I went to the three different doctors last week, went to the dentist, had a cap put on my tooth, went to a family practice doctor at the VA and had a physical. I get all that. I, I, you know, I followed through with stuff and I went to another family practice doctor. So in the last 10 days, uh, God does use doctors to heal us. But let me tell you where the absolute healing is found, especially the spiritual healing right here. And now it's finding Christ. Somebody go get God. Somebody go get Christ. Things Mm. are going to change. Things are going to be different. And we got to trust in God's timing. And, uh, and, and folks, as I pass this over to Kevin, I want you to think about this. You know, God is not this magician. He's not going to yeah. click his fingers and make something disappear. There's a lesson for us. And if we understood what God's lessons were for the traumas we've been through, for the knuckleheads we've been around, for those people we've let into our clan, for those people who've snuck in and, and done those, if we recognize what that trial can do for another life in this world and what it can do for your world, oh, man, you'd be running to Christ, Kevin. It'd be running. Yeah, this whole thing reminds me of the um, centurion who said, um, I don't deserve to come under your roof, but speak a word only, you know, you know, have a, have, have a direct word about this thing and that will solve the thing. You know, our faith is based on the word of God. You know, I can say, you know, I believe, I believe with all my heart, Doug's going to give me a million dollars because, you know, I just think great things about Doug and I can go around and publish it. Doug's great. I think he's, he's benevolent and he's going to give me a million dollars. You know, at some point, I'm going to hear the words from my friend Doug, I'm not going to give you a million dollars. <laughs> I didn't say I would give you a million dollars. It's the word. If God said it, then you can bank on it. Well, here's the thing. My problem, there are certain things God has addressed in principle for my problems and some of them are a matter of obedience for me. Other things he said about, you know, th- things that surround my problem, and I can bank on those things. But until I get the word of God that says your child is going to live, then that's, you know, and I get it. Sometimes God speaks, you know, to your heart. You know, there, I, I get that thing, and that's called comfort. You know, the Holy Spirit does that. But as far as faith, our faith really is, it ought to be sunk into a nail that's on the cross that Jesus Christ himself, you can bank on this thing. My Savior said things, for instance, and I mentioned before the break, Doug, that I have a, um, you know, I've got some scars and you've got some scars. We all have some things we've gone through. And I've asked God to take away, you know, the, the, the problems that caused some of the scars. And you know what? He didn't take it away. You know, he didn't complete he, the, the, his definition of healing was not my definition of healing. Healing, you know, for Adam and Eve might be like, put us back in the Garden of Eden. God's like, no. But you know what? Here's some coats of skins. Here's the blood. Here's sacrifice. Go from this thing. The garden phase of your life is done understand if you're going through as a listener you've gone through some terrible thing that whatever you're suffering if god does not feel that he 
ought to say the word to fix the problem. Say, thy will be done. Lord, I'm asking you to speak to this thing. My son that has leukemia, I've, I've tried to speak to someone recently who's losing a son to leukemia, an older son. Uh, he's still at home. And, and she's like, I've just got to believe that God's going to change this thing. And I said, you know what? God's going to speak in a way that's going to be, that make, he's going to make everything better someday. But it may not mean, it may not encompass the healing of your son. And we need to say, like John says, according to his will, he will answer according to his will. And I think people take it out of God's hands. Like you said, he's not your magician. He, we take it out of God's hand and say, the answer has to be this way. Your word has to say this. No, his word may simply say, I'm speaking comfort to you above comprehension. I'm speaking healing to other people around you. I'm going to do something fantastic. Trust my word. Let, let the principles of my word speak to your situation and then let, it, let that be enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a difference, folks. I love what Kevin just said. There's, there's a pretty major difference between an arrogance that I've spoken, the person's already healed. We, we, we talked about that last week on the broadcast. And, you know, I had a friend of mine who was a name it and claim it guy. So we, we were in the retention business up there at Fort Drum, New York. And this guy was a name and claim it guy. And he, he came into work one day and he said, you know, my, my Ford out here is broken down. I don't know what's going on. And I went out and we, we figured out real quickly he needed an alternator. And uh, he was able to yank that alternator out. And I drove him down into Watertown, New York. And we were able to get a rebuilt. We were able to swap it out and get a rebuilt alternator. We got his car runner. And he came in the next day and he said to me, he said, you know, Doug, uh, I'm just going to go name and claim a new Explorer. Uh, I'm just going to go name and claim it in God's name. And I said, well, brother, I said, you you sure do owe a lot of bills. I mean, you got a mortgage, a car, another car payment. You, you got credit cards. I mean, you're, you're in debt up to your eyeballs. See, some people, they never get out of in debt, indebtedness. And, uh, and well, anyway, he went down. He asked me for a ride, and I took him to the Ford dealer. His other Ford was broken down again at this time. The transmission had went. And uh, uh, just one day later, it, it, had, it gave up the ghost, you know. But I thought you could fix the transmission back then for about $1,500 and, you know, go for another eight or ten years. But it broke. And so I drove him down to the Ford dealer. I'll never forget what he did. He stood in the parking lot, and he looked at the most expensive Explorer, and he said, I claim you in the name of God. And he pointed at that Explorer. And the salesman came over and said, God's sending his paperwork to you. And he, he literally <laughs> went down, sat down, filled out all the paperwork. About three months later, he's in my office and someone comes running in and said, there's a wrecker uh, taking your new Explorer away, brother. And uh, he jumps up and he comes back and he says, yeah, I just can't make those big payments. And I said, but you named it and claimed it. And see, folks, we... There, there's not an arrogance to be found here. Mm -hmm. It's all about belief. It's yes. all about believing God's word. You know, God may, in fact, and I hope he does, heal this lady's son. Uh, that's my prayer. Mm -hmm. uh, and beg God with us for that end to come. But not with arrogance. We're not going to say, God, right now, heal him. It's all done. No, we're going to say, Lord, we need you. Mm. We really need you. We need you right now yeah. more than anything. Without you, God, this is impossible. And, and Kevin, if, if we don't have that attitude, if we don't have God in us at that level, we can't run around and bang people in the head and say, I order you. We can't order a thing, brother, other than a pizza. 
No, we're so weak in faith. God's allowing. I think we need to take a step back and let it sink in that this crisis is probably more to, you know, if I'm losing a child, God forbid, but it, it happens, that that is probably more to change me. That is probably, you know, if God God knows he's going to work best in every situation as we pray. But what what probably is taking place is that I am getting closer to God. You know, I am, as I'm seeking God about this situation, if his answer is no, it's no, not the way you think so. It's going to be better than the way you want because you are going to come out of this thing stronger in faith. Yeah, and, and, and you know, folks, and I don't want to discourage you to the contrary. I want to encourage you that we serve a great God. We serve a God who's holy, and, and we come to his altar with, with holiness in our hearts, with, with a belief, trusting in every word he said. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's what that nobleman did. And, you know, he witnessed a wonderful miracle, and that miracle changed his entire family. Everybody got saved. Everybody got right. And now he could truly be called a nobleman. Mm-hmm. Folks, I don't know where you're at today, but know we're praying for you. We love you. We look forward to talking to you tomorrow. You want to come back and hear our corny fourth grade joke first thing in the morning, and we're going to come back and be talking about this. May God bless you. Wear that smile that only God can give. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.